Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good morning, City Walk Church. Hope you had an awesome week. This past week, we entered a four-week conversation talking about some really big and at times controversial issues. Uh, And these issues that we're tackling in this series are issues that the church hasn't always done a really good job addressing. And when they have addressed them, sometimes it's been maybe not what Jesus would have done. And I said this to you last week, and and I want to reiterate it. Our goal in this series is not to change anyone's opinion. But what our goal is, is we want to find out what the heart of God is on these very important issues of our day so that we as people who reflect Jesus hopefully in our life can know what he would do and then reflect him. Today we're going to talk about an issue that uh, is a subject that's a big issue and specifically in our country right now and as we move towards November it's going to be on the hearts and minds of people even more. Uh, It's one of those issues that you're really not supposed to talk about Uh, in church at all, and it's this whole issue of politics. And if you're a person of faith, you probably have asked yourself this question before, and probably some of these questions have come even into your mind if you're a follower of Jesus as it relates to politics. And, And here's some of those questions. How involved should a follower of Jesus be in the political system? Should I vote? Who should I vote for? Can I just vote for myself some years? Because some years my choices I don't like. Can I just vote for myself? Maybe you've asked yourself this. Should a Christian be a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent? What should a real Christian be? Or maybe you've asked yourself this question and probably you have. Hey, if Jesus was alive today, what political party would he be? And probably you think whatever one you are is probably the one that Jesus would be. I can remember when I was in my early 20s, and it was the year that George W. Bush was going to be going against John Kerry in the election, and I had in my mind who I was going to vote for, and I had some good reasons uh, of who I was going to vote for in that election, and I remember sitting down with a pastor that I really, uh, really respected, somebody that was a friend of mine, and as we got talking about the election, I found out that he was going to vote for the other guy. And I remember being taken back like, I didn't think you could vote for that guy if you were a Christian. And I remember looking at this guy and just wondering, how are you going to vote? Because in my mind, I thought, man, my guy is the guy that, that a Christian should vote for. But yet he thought the opposite. And if you're a follower of Christ, you probably have had different questions. But maybe you're not a person who's a follower of Christ. And for you, you have other questions and, and, and as you look about, as you look at Christians as they deal with politics, it probably puzzles you. Maybe some of the questions that you've asked yourselves as you watch people that say they're a follower of Jesus is, "Hey, 
why do people who claim to follow Christ freak out so much around election time? You, you might ask yourself, hey, why do Christians seem to get so angry when they talk about politics? Or, or maybe you've experienced this and you've wondered this question. If maybe you're not a person of faith, maybe you've thought, you know what? Why is it that when I get around church people, if I don't vote for their candidate, they almost make me feel like I'm going to go to hell if I don't vote for their person? And for you, you you've had a lot of questions about politics too. And, and sometimes you look at people who call themselves Jesus followers and you just wonder what they're really thinking because of their reaction when politics comes up. No matter where you are as it relates to faith or what your per, per kind of preferred political bent is, here's something that I know is true about you and is true about me. And it's simply this. Faith drives our politics. You're like, I already disagree with him. He's already being controversial. I already don't agree with him. Well, well let me, let me, give me a second because I, I think you'll understand this and I think you'll agree with me here in a second because I really do think faith drives our politics. And here's what I mean. Each of us has faith and it's the object of our faith that dictates our political perspective. And here's what I mean. Very, very simply, we either put our faith in man or we put our faith in God. We, we put our faith in man, and, and, and it's, it's not a Christian thing, a follower of Jesus thing, or not a follower of Jesus thing. There's people on, that are followers of Jesus. There's people that, that follow other religions that put their faith in man. And there's people that put their faith in God. And here's what I know. Our faith determines... Our politics. It drives our politics. And, and maybe the first question that we should answer as we think about this is, what is faith? When we talk about faith, what is faith? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says it this way. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, faith by definition is simply complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And people try to complicate faith, but, but that's really what it is. It's, it's confidence or trust in someone or something. So for instance, if you have a job, you work each day, you probably, when you go to your job and you're working throughout the week, you're not worried about at the end of the week or at the end of the month, whenever you normally get paid, you're probably not worried about, hey, is my paycheck going to be there? If you're working your normal job like you've done maybe for years, you don't probably think about, hey, I wonder if this month the paycheck's going to be there. No, you work with complete confidence that, hey, just like the paycheck at my job has been there for maybe the last five years, it's going to be there or it's going to get direct deposited the same time it has. And, and so you just you just don't even think about it. You completely trust that it's going to be there. As it relates to the world of politics, we either put our faith in man or in God. So if we put our faith in man, let's think about this. If, if our faith is in man, then let's think about that around the, the idea of politics. If my faith is in man, then honestly, my prosperity is on the line based on who gets elected. My future is on the line. My peace, my happiness is on the line. God's plan for our country is on the line if it's all about a man. 
And if that's true, and if my faith is in man, then, then man, don't give any money to the offering today. You need to give all your money to your preferred political candidate. Because if, if, if it comes down to a man, if our whole life is, is going to be good or bad based on one person, then you need to make sure your person gets elected. You probably need to open up Facebook right now and find a really good article that puts your candidate in the best light, and you need to share that as much as you can. You need to stop by your local political office as soon as it opens. You need to get as many yard signs as you can, and you need to plaster this area with yard signs with your candidate's name on it. You need to encourage, you need to manipulate, you need to push, you need to beg people to vote for your candidate, no matter if it hurts the relationship or not. If it comes down to a man, and if our faith is in man, then we've got to make sure our person gets elected. And probably, if, if our faith is in man, we probably should start looking for houses in Canada, just in case our person doesn't get elected. Because when our faith is in man, man, everything comes down to who gets elected. Because my faith drives my politics. If my faith or confidence is in man, and you know this, it will affect my mindset, it'll affect my attitudes, it'll reflect, reflect how I, how the actions I have, it, it will reflect a lot. And that's what I just said, it's a little extreme, obviously. But if my faith is in man, then I need to make sure my person gets elected because if not, then it's going to go really bad and the world's going to end. But if my faith's in God, let's, let's look at that side. In fact, there's a book in the Bible by the name of Hebrews, and the author of Hebrews, he writes to most likely Jewish believers and he's writing to them about their faith. And these are believers that have been persecuted. They're struggling with their faith. There's some false teachers that are trying to get them to kind of go back on what their belief in God was and kind of go back to their old belief system. And so the writer of Hebrews writes this letter to them to help them understand more what it looks like to have faith in God instead of faith in man. And he, he lays out for them in Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12, gives us a real clear picture of what faith in God really looks like. And so if you have your Bible, or it'll be up on the screen, let's start by looking at Hebrews chapter 12, the very first verse. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Then look at verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then verse 3 says this. Consider him, Jesus. Consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The writer of Hebrews 
wants to make clear to the people that he's writing to what it really looks like to put faith in God and what it looks like to walk through in, in their world persecution and their political system was crazy, what it looks like to really put faith in God and not man. And so what he does is he, as he talks about faith in God and, and the importance of it, he doesn't leave people hanging like, hey, this big idea of faith in God. But what he does is he kind of puts skin on it. And, and in Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter right before this, he lays out several people in the throughout, kind of throughout the history of Israel that had faith and what it looked like for them to have faith in God. He gives some practical examples. He says this, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, one of the people he talks about is Noah. He says this in Hebrews eleven seven as he's trying to help people see this is what it really looks like to have faith in God and walk that out. Hebrews eleven seven it says, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. See, faith in God led Noah to do the unimaginable and ultimately save his entire family. Think about being Noah. And whether you grew up in church or not, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you've probably heard about Noah. Noah's this guy that in his life, what we believe, probably never had seen rain, didn't know what a flood looked like, probably had never literally in his life seen rain, and yet God comes to him one day and says, Hey, Noah, I need you to do something. I need you to build this huge boat, and after about a 100 years, it's going to take you to build this boat. It's going to take you a long time. When you're, you're done building this boat, I'm going to send a flood, and, and this boat's going to save your family. Think about being Noah. But yet Noah had faith in God. And so he did the unimaginable. He walked out his faith. When man was telling him day after day after day, hey, Noah, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're an idiot. He had faith in God, and because of it, it ultimately saved his family. But another guy was Abraham. In verse 8, the, the writer of Hebrews, again, he says, hey, let me show you what it really looks like to have faith in God. Let me show you somebody, real life story that really happened. Hebrews 11, 8, he says, you remember Abraham. He says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. And this part always gets me. Even though he did not know where he was going. See, Faith in God led Abraham to do the uncertain, and as a result, he became the father of a nation. God came to Abraham, and back then, man, they didn't, it wasn't like they moved around a lot. Like you were born somewhere, you lived there, you had your family, your family lived on the same land as you, and that's just how it went. But God came to Abraham one day and said, Hey, Abraham, I want you to go far away. I want you to leave your family, your heritage, and I want you to go somewhere you've never been. You can't Google it. You can't look at the website. I want you to go. And I would imagine there was people in Abraham's ear saying, No, dude, don't, what are you thinking? You, you Don't do this. Nobody does this. But Abraham had faith in God, and because of that, 
He did what was uncertain, what wasn't comfortable. And as a result, he literally became the father of the Jewish nation. And what's interesting, you can look all through Hebrews 11. And you can hear about Moses. And you can hear about Samson. And you can hear about different characters in the Old Testament, in early Israel, that had faith in God, and that faith in God radically changed their life. And in fact, it says this, and this always is just amazing when you think about what it says. It says, at the end of Hebrews 11, it says that these people, they believed and they died not yet receiving what they had believed for. But yet they died still having faith, still believing, even though the thing they were believing God for didn't come to pass in their lifetime. They had such tremendous faith in God. And what's cool is that was Hebrews 11. Man, now we could take Hebrews 11 and come all the way up to history today, and we could add to the story people like William Tyndale, William Wilberforce, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and, and modern day people who chose to have faith in God rather than faith in man. And because of that, it changed everything for them. See, the, the writer of Hebrews, when he's talking about these people, he says, you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And basically what he's saying, he's saying, there's so many great examples for you to follow. Examples of people who walked out their faith in God. And the writer of Hebrews, he says, because of you have these examples, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to throw off the weights. I want you to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. I want you to throw those things off and I want you to follow the example of these people who walked out their faith in God. And then he comes to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 after he's told these after he's told these people about hey you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses and and he's referring to all those people in Hebrews 11 and because of these people I want you to throw off the things that are holding you back the unbelief I want you to throw those things off then he comes back and in verse 2 he says this he says let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He, he tells these people, he says, now that you've thrown off the sin and you've thrown off the unbelief as you're trying to follow the example of these other people that have had faith in God, he says, you've thrown that off, and now what I want you to do, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. He, he doesn't say fix your eyes on a political party, he doesn't say fix your eyes on a system or a candidate. He says fix your eyes on Jesus. Because when we what we fix our eyes on is usually what we trust in. And what our focus is on is usually what we trust in. I can remember back uh, when I was in college, I worked at a camp and it was called Word of Life Island. And Word of Life Island was an island, shocker, that's why it was called that. And it was in upstate New York, about 40, 50 acre island. 
And around this island was a like a one-mile run. And so one summer that I was working there, I decided, hey, I'm going to try to run a little bit every day and try to get in shape. And, and so I remember that I kind of made that a habit. But for whatever reason, one day I must have had a busy day. I had not gotten a chance to run. And so it was later in the day. It was getting to be evening, starting to get dark. And I thought, oh, well, now I have some time. And so I'll, I'll just go run right now. And so I did. Started running around the, the island. And, and it's a little path. It's beautiful. And during the day, it's no problem. But, but what I didn't think of is as you get around the backside of the island where there's no cabins and it's actually a place where they have a ropes course and stuff like that, but during the evening and when it gets to be night, there's no lights. And I didn't know that. And so as I started running around the backside of the island, it got really dark and to the point where I couldn't see what was in front of me. And I was at this point like a 19, 20-year-old guy starting to get a little scared. Like when you run through the woods in the middle of the night, even though you know nothing's going to kill you, you think something's going to jump out and kill you. And so I remember just running and I started running faster and I tried to jump over things and just get because I couldn't see and I was, there was just woods everywhere. And then as I got around the backside of the island, I looked way ahead of me and I saw the boathouse and there was a little bit of light and I remember being so thankful and running as hard as I could to get to the boathouse and being so focused on it because of the light I wanted to get there and as I think about that I think about what Paul's describing here it's man there's so much going on around us there's so much that we could be afraid of that we could be worried about and the writer of Hebrews says, hey, instead of having faith in man, I want you to have faith in God. You have all these heroes of the faith that have shown you how to do it. And now I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to focus on him and I want you to run. And, and here's what we know about Jesus. When we look to him, we find a great example. The scriptures say this in 1 John chapter 4, as it talks about what Jesus was, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Jesus is an example of perfect love. And when we look to him, we're looking at an example that we can follow, and it's an example of perfect love. It's, it's how Jesus could look at his life through the lens of the cross and the pain that was going to come, and yet he looked at it with love because of what it was going to do for all of mankind. And we, we look to Jesus to get the example of perfect love. We, we get the example of someone who had faith because of his relationship with his father. We, we look to his perfect love that, that allowed him in the midst of the darkest day, in the midst of the darkest turmoil, to love the people that was killing him. And so the author of Hebrews says, I want you to look to Jesus, not a system, not a man, but to Jesus and look to him as your example, but also look to him to gain perspective. Verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 12, it's, it's kind of like the writer of Hebrews kind of gets in our face a little bit here. And in verse 3, he says this, as he's just said, hey, I want you to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He says this in Hebrews 12, verse 3, as he talks about perspective. He says, consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He says, I want you to look to Jesus 
as an example of perfect love. I want you to look to Jesus to gain perspective because when you consider what Jesus went through, you shouldn't be whining at all. In fact, I wrote this. If, if this was written today, maybe it would say something like this. If verse 3 was written today, it might say something like this. Seriously, you think your world is going to come to an end because of who gets elected president? Quit being a wimp. Remember what Christ endured. Remember what the apostles went through. Look at what's happening to Christians in Syria, China, and North Korea. Eat your Wheaties and don't lose perspective when you start to feel sorry for yourself. The writer of Hebrews says, hey, look to Jesus for a great example, but look to him for perspective. Look to what Jesus went through when you start to feel sorry for yourself. All throughout history, people have faced the same question that we're faced with today, and it's simply this. Am I going to put my faith in man, or am I going to put my faith in God? And the answer has great effect on my politics if we're going to put our faith in man, then you and I need to do whatever we have to do to get our person elected. If our faith is going to be in man, then we need to go to great lengths to make sure our person gets elected because everything rises and falls on that person. But if my faith is going to be in God and my eyes are going to be fixed on Jesus, and, and as my eyes are fixed on Jesus, and as I'm walking out my faith in God, here's what it will free me to do if my faith is in God. Here's what it will free me to do. It will free me to be involved as a voice for truth that is embodied in grace. Let me, let me say this again. Because if your faith is in man, then, then man, you go nuts and make sure you get your candidate elected. But if your faith is in God and your eyes are fixed on Jesus, it will free you to be involved as a voice for truth and it will be embodied with grace. And here's really the, something important to remember. Truth is determined by God, not a political party. So if my faith is in God, I'm going to, be involved as a voice of truth, but it's going to be embodied in grace. Another thing that's going to be true of me, if my faith is really in God, I'm never going to sacrifice my influence to win an argument. Let me read that again. Never sacrifice your influence to win an argument. It breaks my heart when I see followers of Jesus losing influence with people who don't know Jesus so they can try to win an argument that people have been arguing about for years and nobody's ever won, but yet Christians are giving up their influence trying to win an argument on social media that nobody's going to win. If my faith is in God, I'm not going to sacrifice my influence to win an argument. If my faith is in God, I'm going to understand what is truly on the line and I'm going to be salt and light. What's truly on the line is life, death, hell, heaven, and eternity. And so if my faith is in God, whether the president is Barack Obama or Donald Trump or whoever the next person is, I'm going to keep in mind what the big picture is. I'm going to be salt and light because there's a lot more on the line than who's in the White House or the governor's mansion. 
And if my faith is in God, I'm going to pray for those in authority, whether they're Democrat, Republican, Independent, doesn't matter. I'm going to pray for those because that's what we're commanded to do. So what do you think? Have I made you mad a little bit? Have you disagreed a lot? Or would you say, hey, Chris, I understand that my faith, it does drive my politics. And I found myself having putting all kind of all my eggs in the basket of man. And so I found myself worried more than I should be. I found myself even getting angry at people of opposing views. I found myself treating people in a way that Jesus wouldn't treat people. All because I've been putting too much in the basket of man. What if we really put our faith in God? We would still be involved. We would still be involved with a voice of truth. We would embody that truth with grace. We would never give up our influence to win an argument. We would be salt and light because we would remember what's on the line. And we would pray as hard for a Democrat as we do for a Republican, as we do for an Independent, because our faith is in God. I wrote this in my notes, and I'll close with this. My faith influences my politics and may influence someone else's faith. Let me read that again as we close. My faith influences my politics and may influence someone else's faith. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the author of Hebrews who gives us such a great picture of what faith in you walked out really looked like. And Lord, as we read through Hebrews chapter 11, we read through the stories and the testimonies of people that faced tremendous opposition, they faced tremendous uncertainty, some of them faced death for what they believed in, but yet they died, and they died having faith in you, and they lived their life with faith in you over faith in man. And Lord, I pray as a gathering and as individuals that we would be people that are involved, that we would be people that are salt and light, we would be people that stand for truth, but that we would do it in a way that reflects you and reflects our faith in you. And whether our candidate gets elected, whether our favorite law gets passed, or no matter what happens in our politics in our country, Lord, we know that you're on the throne. We know that eternity is real, that heaven and hell is real. And Lord, I pray that we would remember the big picture and that we would never, ever give up influence for you to win an argument that we'll never win anyway. In Jesus' name, amen.